welcome, 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 podcast listeners. You are here with your host, Mr. Budget Pedal Chap. We have got a absolutely special podcast today. We are joined by not one, but two Lees. Two Lees. First of all, we've got our standard Lee. Say Ollie. How do I say that in a standard voice? Hello, my name is Lee. There we go. I, I, mean, I am standardly. Standard, <laughs> is that what yeah. we're going to be called then? Standardly. Yeah, I think I think that's the way that we're going to disting, distinguish you, fine gentlemen. <laughs> There's going to be standardly, and uh, I assume star, stardomly, starly, <laughs> star- highly, highly <laughs> unlikely. There we go. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wee. There is the there is the secondly. Um, secondly. Wee. That'll do. Uh, <laughs> we've got Mister Mister Lee Harris. Hello. Hello. Bonjour. Bonjour, yeah, I am here in France. Bonjour. Indeed, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes, very much so. You were talking about the weather before this, and you were, you were saying how um, you had like, ample sunshine. I was like, he's definitely not in the UK anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here, and I'm like looking out for snow. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I might go for a swim. Excellent. <laughs> so, Although um, I'm actually not here for that much longer, because we start our tour next next week in north america so i don't know what the weather's like there i better look before i pack <laughs> that's it yeah the shorts I mean, it's a big place is it, i think the yeah. weather's yeah. In, i think they have like a big heat wave at the moment aren't they uh in uh is it texas probably i haven't looked we're going there so i better <laughs> not not pack anything for texas then that's it. <laughs> Pack the uh, the speedos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh dear. So so Lee 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 Lee. Who are you? Hi- Who are you? Hi- like, highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. <laughs> uh, introduce yourself. Um, my name is Lee Harris, and I play guitar and am co-founder of Nick Mason's Sourceful of Secrets. Um, and we focus on the whole idea of the band is that we focus on playing all of the pre-dark side of the mood material uh, which is like 67 to 72 uh, and which you know probably 95% of it is not played by David Gilmore or Roger Waters when they go on tour so we sort of have quite a lot of stuff that we can get through and you know a lot of yeah, it's very it's kind of niche in that way and yeah. a lot of the um you know pink floyd staunch fans are really happy to hear that stuff again and there's a lot of different you know i don't know if it's different genres kind of yeah different genres i mean because you've got all that kind of you know poppy psychedelic stuff and then you've got almost classical prog stuff you know and so it makes for an interesting evening of music because it's not all just one one type of thing going on you know it's all different sounds and stuff would, would you agree that the sid barrett to dave gilmore kind of eras is almost as different as the peter green to um the other lot fleetwood mac is they were i think there's a vaster difference there but the you know when i listen to the sid barrett stuff it has a a, a very very different feel to like the um to the gilmore stuff yeah i mean it's, I, I see what you mean yeah i i think that's a fair comment yeah yeah, I mean it's you know, I mean it's not really the David Gilmore era because I suppose Roger Waters wrote a lot of this, a lot of the material. Of course, you know David's obviously um, the guitar player that everyone knows on that stuff. But um, I, I would I think that David's 
style was probably born out of SIDS because yeah. when he joined, um, he was joining to play the songs that Sid had been playing anyway. Um, and, I, and actually, he was using the same equipment for a little while. Not for long, but for a little while. He was using a Selma amp, you know. I think he was. I think he might even have been using. This is when there'll be a whole forum dedicated to how stupid I am, but somewhere. But I think, <laughs> I think that he was um, using even some of the same guitars for a little while. You know, not for the whole thing. But I think he might have used his Tele and or his Esquire and maybe a Strat. I don't know. <clears throat> That's, that's really cool. I, I never realised that he uh, was like, all right, Sid, I'm just going to replace you. Can I borrow some of your gear, please, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's almost as bad as Clapton, that is, isn't it? Like, um, with George Harrison. Oh, do you just mind if I borrow your wife? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Indeed. Oh, that's, that's funny. That is funny. All right, okay. Yeah, so that's – it's all like the um, – the, the real psychedelic stuff that I, I personally love. I've said this to you before, mm. but I, I used to go to a lot of parties with my friends and some of them are really into it. And they introduced me to all the Sid Barrett stuff. And I was like, hell is this craziness? Mm. Um, and after a few drinks, you just, and a few parties, you really just <laughs> like, I love this now. Mm. <laughs> and, and this was when I was really quite young, like teenager. So yeah, I, I love what you do man i think it's amazing oh, um i mean you know that i think one of the things that i've one thing i've definitely learned from being around nick uh, especially with that kind of stuff you we were talking about i mean if we if you highlight a song like interstellar overdrive um it's that thing of playing and then going off somewhere and when you're on stage you tend to think oh god the audience is going to get bored of this i've been doing this for like 40 seconds and then you listen back to the desk tape and it's actually been going on for like five seconds or something because <laughs> when you're on stage you just think everything just goes by so quickly you know um i think that's probably how you know when they were recording those those types of instrumentals or playing them live um they were just taking their time you know i mean it's like then when i when i paused to say that you think Oh my god, that's that's ages. I better <laughs> say something quickly. But actually, when you listen back to it in the podcast, it, it's like literally a second or two. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's you, natural. You're thinking dead air, dead air, dead air. But it's like, yeah. like you say, it's just like a second yeah. at yeah. most. Yeah. And what is that in reality? <laughs> Fuck all. Yeah. But I know what you mean. I used to um, have this little instrumental I wrote, which wasn't like a a lead Satriani sort of instrumental. It was kind of like just a. It, it was just like an atmospheric instrumental that I used to stick in between two songs in one of my old bands. And um, whenever I got to play it, I would just get suddenly anxious of, does anyone actually want to hear this shit? Because it was just like basically me on the guitar playing it and then everyone kind of just filled in just a little bit around me. Mm. And you did, and you, uh, I, I would end up rushing it and like yeah. listen back to it and you're just like, it would have sounded better if I didn't Yeah, rush it. I mean, you know, audiences generally are listening you know yeah. that's what they're <laughs> yeah. there to do but them and they are you know you know back then as well there was there was a big trend of bands just kind of leaning heavy into the jams like you listen to yeah. like all of the early deep purple stuff and they like they would make three songs last an hour yeah, uh yeah. 
yeah, you got again like mentioning Clapton again. You got the cream, cream era stuff. It was just like all of the life stuff was just like yeah. leaning into these massive, massive jam sessions, massive grooves, and they'd go on for like twenty minutes. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I could listen to Ginger Baker play drums for days. Though <laughs> it's oh. just like the guy was just so interesting. <laughs> Um, so what got got you into the, um, the the Pink Floyd stuff? Was it something you've always? Um, um... Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my parents, my, I think my my taste in music definitely comes from my parents. Um, so that was, you know, kind of, you know, I was born in seventy two. So it's all that basically what you're what you're mentioning there. I mean, like, well, actually, they weren't that into Cream. I got into Cream. But, but, you know, stuff like the Allman Brothers Band and, yeah. um, you know, a lot of... Um, my dad liked a lot of jazz organists, uh, like Richard Groove Holmes and Jimmy Smith, so that'd be playing. And, and um, you know, the first concert I went to, I was nearly four, and it was Queen in Hyde Park. And then, oh, and then literally, I think it might have been about two weeks later or something, they took me, he took me to see... Um, Peter Frampton at Wembley Arena on the Frampton Comes Alive tour. So I was always, you know, as a child, they, you know, I'd be taken yeah. to gigs. I mean, I went to see the wall at Ells Court when the Floyd did that. And I would have been, I think I was seven. Um, nice. But I mean, I, I remember hearing Animals, the Pink Floyd album. And I would, I mean, I must have been four or five. And I, and I remember hearing, probably I, I took to it because I'd seen and heard Frampton doing the talk box. Yes. I remember hearing David Gilmore using the talk box. And as a kid, I loved the sound of it, you know, and all the, and all the animal sounds at the start of the tracks and things like that, you know, sheep and the, and the pigs and things. So, um, you know, yeah, I think I just, I was into that. And then uh went to see them quite a lot when they, when they had their sort of, um, you know what the period when what after Roger left when they carried on uh, moment she lapsed the reason and division bell, and my father is a cinematographer and he actually worked with Storm Thorgerson who was their album cover designer yeah. and uh, and and Dad um was the cinematographer on on a video for a song called High Hopes which is on the division bell, so that film was shown in all the concerts on the division bell tour so I you know I was sent over to giant stadium to make sure it looked all right you know on, on the screen and then um and then we went to see them countless times at Earl's Court so I mean I, I've always been a huge fan yeah. and then um you know in my I mean I was still I think I was in I was about 21 20 21 22 then uh so I was you know I'd left school I was very much trying to find a band to be in or didn't know if I'd do my own thing or what it was. And then, you know, that's all a long story, but eventually I ended up with a band called the Blockheads who were Ian and band. And um, I actually, I I joined them because I, I knew the bass player Norman very well. We'd met and had a jam. And then um, um, I try to think, I mean, like when I joined them, Ian had just died. Uh, well, I say I joined them. I didn't sort of join them. I sort of just came on board to do what I could to help them keep going because they're one of my favourite bands of all time, and they wanted to carry on going. And so, like, I'd start. I taught myself how to um, um, be like a webmaster. So I and so I 
I took on their site and um, I would go to gigs and take pictures that I could put on the site. And I had a job at at Ticketmaster, the agent, the ticket agency at the time. Yeah. Um, And I would get tickets for their gigs and put them on that system so we could sell them easily so then the band had an easy way of people buying their tickets and then i'd be going to gigs and i'd be you know ian used to do the set list so none of them were used to doing that so i started doing that you know and you know i sort of got swallowed up and became co-manager but we always sort of said that they're unmanageable so they <laughs> call, they, they, they call me the damager <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and um i did that for like 12 years and in that time when you're working with a band, you know, like those guys who are respected by a lot of musicians, yeah. you get to meet a lot of other musicians and people mm. who, I don't know, want of a better expression are successful, you know. So then I'd sort of meet people and amongst those people would, would be Guy Pratt, who's the bass player in in art in the in Nick Mason's Source of the Secrets. And he was in that that version of Pink Floyd that I saw at Earl's Court. Yeah, and he's, he's played, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, guys played with. I mean, look him up on Wikipedia. He's played with everyone. He, you know, he did the bass on Madonna's "Like a Prayer" and Michael Jackson's. Yeah, and, and Michael Jackson's Earth Song, and you know, and oh, shit, like this is just yeah, it's across yeah. the. And he's he's actually got he's he hasn't paid me to do this, but he's got <laughs> a fantastic <laughs> book called "My My Bass and Other Animals," and it's just it's not actually about him and his life and his family. It's just about his music career, really. And it's just, it, you, it's so easy to read. And it's really funny. And it's it's really worth reading. But, um, about a shout, a, a um, yeah, um, sounds good. So, yeah, I mean, so I was trying to sort of encapsulate how I ended up in this, doing this band. And what happened was um, I'd left the Blockheads in sort of 2013, um, got married. Uh, we moved to France to renovate and build a house and whilst we were doing that guy was over about three hours away with with david playing on david on david gilmore's tour and um i went to see that and then i suddenly got you know realized how much i miss well how yeah. much i miss playing you know yeah. but what i then then did was i started thinking well i'm gonna buy some pedals because all i'd ever done um was really i mean i had i think when i was about when i left school i got a digitech pro gs you know rack mount oh, okay. thing yeah, yeah. that had loads of yeah. effects in it but it always annoyed me because it didn't you had to use the speaker simulator on it so you could never really get it if i wanted to i couldn't really use my fender amp with it and get a fender sound with those yeah. effects it had to, you know end up sound you ended up sounding like the effects if you see what i mean yeah so it puts I, an imprint on the tone yeah and i think the first pedal i ever bought was a heavy metal as an hm boss <laughs> because because david used one yeah know. yeah yeah um and i think i might have had a phaser and a compressor and something else and then and then that, and then i got the, the gsp thing and it totally put me off effects yeah apart from apart from delays that i always like to use but then I just went into playing blues. And then with the, with the blockheads, um, you know, sort of free associating here. So I didn't really finish that off. But I, eventually I would start playing with them as well. So um, I'd probably sort of do about, you know, 15 
gigs a year, you know, or so. I think I did about 80 gigs with them all together. So I was a, I was a touring member of the band. Yeah. But I never used pedals with them. So when I went to see Gilmore, I thought, oh, I'm going to get some pedals and then I can sound like him, of course. We've all been there. So many people go down yeah. that route. <laughs> but then, uh, which is funny because now in this band, my, my, thing, my whole thing is don't sound like him. But yeah, so then I started buying, you know, tube drivers and whatever, you know, free the tone flight times and stuff like that he was using. You got an older tube driver, don't you? Uh, I did get a mod. Yeah, I got that um, Massimo Mantovani to mod it so I could use it. Um, but don't you have two? And DC, you I've got three. I've got three. Right, <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I've got three and I don't use them. Are you not using them anymore? No, no. In fact, I had them put on, well, I had them put on the board for when we were originally going to be doing this tour. And then COVID came along and then I had loads of time to spend with all my equipment and realised I don't like it. <laughs> so, you know, but 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 um you know but um um and then so yes yeah, so i started buying all that stuff then and then um for about a year i was playing along like you know like we all do like everyone does when they're not even employed everyone's playing in their bedrooms you know what i mean so i was doing that and um then i went to see them again and when i went to see them again i then had the idea about well i'd really like to play with guy and i'd like to play some pink floyd stuff with him but he won't want to play any of this stuff that that he's you know performing with with David like comfortably numb and all that stuff and stuff yeah. all the all the tribute bands play. So then, because we were in an amphitheater, it made me think of Pompeii, and then I suddenly thought, oh, "What about all the old stuff?" And then I thought, "Okay, we should yeah. ask Nick," you know. And then it's the rhythm section, and then you know, I spoke to Guy about it. He said that's a really good idea, but he'll never go for it. And I went, "All right," and I went away for a month and had a chat with another mate of mine who's um tom wilcox who who um actually started off that band holy holy that play all the david bowie material and they have tony visconti the the producer who actually played played bass on i think he played bass on the man who sold the world album so i had a chat with with um um with tom and um he sort of said oh you know you could actually have a look at the sid barrett stuff as well and then I went back to Guy and said, you know, I can't get this out of my head. And he said, okay, write it out properly and I'll get it to him. So I did with all the ideas about what songs we could play and what I thought we could do, which was kind of like, I thought we could just, you know, I didn't think he'd be that interested in doing a huge tour. So I thought, well, we could do like, you know, a couple of shows at the South Bank Centre and something up north. <laughs> and then, um, and then we, uh, you know, and he wrote back and said, that's actually really interesting. And then, you know, now we're here talking about it you know we've done so, a we've done an act we've done a lot we did a, a gig at the roundhouse which we committed to film and obviously recorded so that went out and that was like you know number one dvd around the world in music and top five album in england and all that kind of stuff so it's kind of surreal but that all happened while we were in covid lockdown so um it's kind of weird we never really got to promote it oh no yeah, I, I I tried to push it um, where I could, but it was it was a weird time, wasn't it? it was yeah, a yeah, really yeah. weird time. Yeah. But you know, still got number one on the music DVDs. That's yeah, I think you know, in like pretty cool Italy and <laughs> Germany and Australia or some or, or something, something. All of the like best that. countries. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All of the non-Brexit uh, companies. But, there, but there, yeah, there you go. There's there's the uh, there's the story of how that all came about. <laughs> 
That's really so cool. Is Nick like, like, does he really miss like? This? What's he like then? Uh, What's Nick Mason really like? No, no. Does he, <laughs> really, does, does he like really miss the miss the? Did he reminisce over the Zimbara era sort of thing? Um, well, I mean, he's been he's well documented talking about it. Um, I mean, no, I mean, I think he he just missed playing live. You know, he really just missed playing. You know, and the other thing is that when he was on the last, well, actually, every time he has played Pink Floyd music, either with the Floyd or when he guested with Roger, uh, he played Dark Side of the Moon with Roger. I'd uh, probably about. 14 years ago or something like that. Now I can't remember exactly, but every time he's played live any Pink Floyd music since 1981 or 80, when the wall was on, he always had another drummer with it. So this was an opportunity for Nick to actually just be the drummer in the band and not have, you know, someone else in the band saying, you know, we want another drummer as well, you know. Right. Okay. Um, and um, and he's and you know he's you know he's playing fantastically. That's, but I, I, I don't think. I yeah, I, but I, I think that was why he wanted to do it. I think it was, um, just to get out and play again and remember why he why he started playing and why he started playing. Funny enough, going back to what you were talking about earlier, is Ginger. I mean, he saw Ginger Baker play, and that's what made him want to play drums. It wasn't. He does like jazz. But it was seeing Ginger Baker playing rock. Ginger with, Baker would, have, would hate you saying playing rock. But, <laughs> but you know, but, but that's right. he's not going to get you these days. No, no, not now. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but that's what made him want to play. You know? Ah, yeah. Did you see that interview they did with Ginger not long before he passed away? And um, at the end, he started hitting the interviewer with this is where he's. I know the film. It's a film called Beware, Mister Baker. But yeah, yeah, yeah I saw that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to catch this. <laughs> uh, but he he i mean oh my god just how different could you be as a drummer when everyone else is doing like four four and stuff like this and um nick nick told me the story about um when uh when cream reformed which i went to as he was at, i was at the same gig as nick um at the albert hall um oh yeah nick, yeah, yeah. Nick, nick and that. nick and roger were there and they went backstage after and you know, I think, you know, obviously Nick, they all know Eric and, you know, probably know all those Jack and, you know, so they went to see Ginger and, and he was really nice, you know, and well, why wouldn't he be, you know, the fellow, fellow, you know, musicians of the same era-ish, you know, well, the same era, but he, I think he was slightly older, but anyway, you know, he was fine. And then Roger went to see them at Madison Square Garden, which I did as well. And, um, uh, and that was, was it was good, but it wasn't as good as the Albert Hall. Um, but but uh, but Roger went back after that gig as well, and went up to Ginger. Went Ginger, hi, Roger Waters, Pink Floyd. <laughs> Ginger turned around and said, "Fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> That's well, the Ginger we know well. and love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh dear. crazy. Yeah, I love those uh, those reunion tours at the Albert Hall. My God, mm. I, I love the way that um, Jack Bruce's voice had matured over yeah. time. It's... And 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 also, you know, Ginger's drumming. I mean, when he plays Toad, it's just it's just fan- I mean, I, you know, it's fantastic. You know, it's one of those things that I watch 
every time I watch it, I still watch it all the way through and it's a bloody drum solo. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. So only probably him and Neil Pitt who do drum solos that I could just watch over and over again, you know. Yeah, usually oh, it's the time to go to the and, bar. And, 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 and John Bonham, of course, you know, but... But, you know, but, uh, yeah, and I mean, Nick, Nick Mason. Yeah. Well, yeah, Nick doesn't play idiot. solo. <laughs> Does he never do a drum solo? Though? No, no. He's sort of antithesis of, of playing for him. He, he hates that sort of thing. To do it himself, he's just not that sort of thing. Fair play. Right. Yeah. yeah. I suppose it'd be, <laughs> um, it, it'd you be... mentioned Royal Albert Hall, um, but yeah. you, you had a, an experience there recently because am I right in saying Ooh. you grew up across the road from it? Yes, tell everyone I'm posh. Another way of telling everyone I'm posh, I lived opposite the Albert Hall. I mean, oh, you've I mean, put it on social media. Maybe. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, when, when um, well, you know, I already mentioned my dad was a cinematographer. So um, I think when we, when I, when I was, you know, when I, when I was born, we were in Putney and I think they were kind of, you know, having to count coins to see how much we had for dinner, you know, and then when he changed his job to cinematography, he got very successful and consequently moved into a lovely apartment opposite the Albert Hall. And I would have been about, I think I was about 11 or 12. And I'd, so that was where I was when I got my first guitar. And I would, you know, overlook, I would overlook the Albert Hall st uh, artist entrance, you know, while I was playing. And obviously yeah. as a, you know, as a teenager growing up, you're looking out there daydreaming, thinking one day, one day, one day. And then of course that day did come earlier this year. So that was, very special, very, you know, really special for my for my family, and you know, I think, I think I said, you know, I don't care what happens now. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's, I've done that. You know, it's fine. You know, See, bucket list that. kind of stuff. I feel like yeah. that's a real magic moment. It's a it cheesy was, no. thing to say, but it is. No, no, it, it was. I mean, it was, it was quite funny the gig because Gary Kemp, who's in our band, plays guitar with me. Um, we, you know. Halfway through the second half, said Lee's got a wonderful story. Go on, tell it, Lee. I, thought, I didn't even know he was going to tell me. Ask me to. So I had to tell everyone then as well, but I, I did it quite short. So um, Gary was in uh, Spandau Ballet. Was did he yeah. ever play at Royal Albert Hall in, uh, in Spandau yeah, Ballet? He did because I know that what they had a movie, you know, a, a documentary about Spandau Ballet, and I think the premiere was there, um, or at least the Q and A about it was there, and they played at it at that and it was at the albert hall so that was a few years back he might have played there another time as well but yeah he had he had played there in fact cool. everyone except myself and don beacon had played there nick had played there with a floyd and the story is that a roadie put a nail through through the stage at the albert hall to, to on on something to stop nick's drum kit from moving and they henceforth got banned from the layout <laughs> um, but but nick seems to think that that was at at the south bank or or somewhere like that and david says it was at the albert hall so i'm not i'm not totally sure but in any case it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a live band because he played that earlier yeah. in the year you know. um, yeah so when you get banned from a pub and you go back a few years later and don't recognize <laughs> <laughs> different haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, weren't they? He was a, my brother. Grey hair. Pair <laughs> of glasses with a So we would be absolutely reminisce. I mean, this is going out on pedal boards of doom as well. Yeah. We've got to mention the pedal board. We've got, we've yeah. just got to.
Well, which one? <laughs> the, <laughs> Great the, the, start. Uh, uh, <laughs> I did have, um, I did have the first, the first, well, the funny thing was, you see, like, because I live out here in France, and this, this isn't the funny thing, I was actually going to say the funny thing was that I actually went through about four different, uh, you know, changed it four times before it even did a gig. But the issue for me was living here in rural France, there is no gig rig company out here, you know. <laughs> I, I'd probably, I, yeah, yeah, I, I'd probably have to drive three hours to Barcelona or something, you know. I mean, I, I know. wouldn't have got that until I moved out here, and now you're I right. completely get you. <laughs> I really do. And you're in Sweden, right? Yeah. Um, are you rural as well? More or less, yeah. Oh. It, it's a small village, right? right. It's, it's on the main road up to Stockholm, so it's okay not that rural but yeah. it, there, there's there's fuck all there's sure, nothing here sure sure yeah. i mean you know i mean yeah i mean like you know there's no one here to bias my amp or anything like that, <laughs> that yeah. consequently before we moved here i actually had that done you know because i knew that was going to happen but no so what, I, what i'm trying to spit out is that um i basically you know use things like like bjorn's um bjorn reese's gilmoreish website and yeah you know, and actually, and Dan and Mix That Pedal Show, you know, and things like that to see what I thought would work. And yeah, um, and there's a really, there was a really friendly forum on the site, what still is uh, called the David Gilmore Gear Forum, I think it is. And lots of people really helpful on there. And um, consequently, I sort of just bought, I got lots of stuff thinking, well, this, this will do what that, that will do that, you know, etc. Yeah. And then, um, you know, go back to England with all these pedals and, you know, Jake and Joe at the gig rig would, would put them all together for me. And, you know, Chris, at, um, custom pedal boards made the, made the board. So Chris I think Ryan. I put yeah. Chris Ryan, I think, I Great think guy. I had, a, I think I had about something like 14 pedals on that board. And, the, but the whole thing with that was, it was the same ethos as, well, anyone with a huge pedal board, which is normally that you don't want to have to be going up in the middle of a song and changing the distortion level on each bloody song, you know, <laughs> bending over and doing this. You got, you know, all you got to do is just get on your switch and press whatever preset and you're done and you can perform, you know. Yeah. So that's why there were so many. But um, it, that's why you had the three different tube drivers was because you had them into different levels. Yeah, exactly. Things, I had, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but so I took that out and then um, whilst all that was going on, I was very lucky to get, you know, endorsement with Free the Tone um, and, um, and, and High Tone Amps, which are in um, Indiana, in America. Um, and, um, um, you know, so I used, I used their stuff and, and then um, we went out and I think we did about, I don't know, 70 shows. And then and then we were going to go out again and then I changed it again. So the one that I've got at the moment um, has got, I mean, I've actually been, I've just been mucking around with it again today. <laughs> it's phoning up, phoning up my, my phone, my tech up. He's in, in rehearsals with Chrissy Hyde saying, I'm changing it again. And he's like, oh man, you know. But, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, but um, well, I, I, I think, so, I mean, really the thing with me and pedals is that, I don't know, it's, um, you know, I was saying earlier on about how I've I've only ever really been used to playing through an amp. Yeah. The thing, the thing is, I like really to have a consistent sound, whether it's clean 
you know, medium gain or, or you know, solos, you know. Yeah. And I just didn't have that because I was using all these different pedals for different, you know, um, levels, as I was saying. And w- what I've done now is I've got, so I'm trying to think what's on, what's on the board because I'm going to forget. I've got, I've got a, I've got a, um, a future factory, you know, the free the tone yep. with the two delays in it. Um, yeah. A stereo, uh, isn't it? Yeah. But I, I, I'm not using it stereo. Um, why? And why? Why? You get these really uh, great Dave Gilmore. Ex- ex- exactly. You know, exactly. There's, there's already two guitarists in the band. You know what I mean? We don't need one of us being in stereo as well. Yeah, yeah stepping uh, over um, their frequencies. Yeah, yeah. The next thing I know, Gary's got like four probably speakers in. How about you, bastard? No, no. So, so um, no, keep it simple, simple as kind of best i think but but um so again i've got i've got that delay pedal i've got um a page you know the um kingsley, kingsley. Pedal. Yeah, yeah and i had a heart i've got harless as well but i've actually i haven't really bonded with it so what i've done is i've got a um um mxr micro amp oh, and i'm putting that micro-amp. i'm putting that into the page and boosting it yeah. for my high gain so then i have got a consistent sound and my compressor is a Phil Robinson um, uh, compressor. That's a Phil Robinson compressor. I think it's called a gain line. It's called, which is actually, it's really just a demo, a Demeter. Is that how you call them? Demeter compilator or Demeter? I don't know. Demeter compilator, mm-hmm. which is obviously a compressor. I bought one of these, same one that David Gill, well, one of the compressors that David uses. And I had some kind of, you know, high pitched sound in the background on it. So I wrote to them and they went, Oh yeah, yeah, this does happen sometimes. You have to and told me how to get rid of it. I thought, I'm not a fucking, you know, <laughs> electrician. You should tell me to send it back to you. So so I phoned my mate up Phil, who um I know who who makes yeah exactly. Yeah. And he went, oh, oh yeah, that's a really good idea. I'll make one with, with like better parts than they do. <laughs> and he did. So now I don't use their effing pedal. Mm-hmm. You know? that'll that'll show yeah. them yeah well well i don't think it, i don't think they're going to be that fast but it just <laughs> i didn't really want to use their pedal i thought if i was going to use it i'd put a bit of black tape over what it was called you know <laughs> bloody, bloody so-and-sos anyway so um Love there's it. that and, then, and now i'm using um uh a cornish ng3 which just sounds like your amp's about to blow up um for oh, like the re- really funnily enough of, i had that yeah. happen <laughs> you've got a video on pedal boards of doom where the back of my amp is basically shooting shooting lightning out of it like, oh, oh, shit. So, it probably... looks so cool the footage you got on his phone just looks so cool where the amp was I, actually blowing up I, now I, i'm actually looking at i've actually got to look at my pedal board on my instagram <laughs> so so yeah so i've got um i've got that ng3 on it and then i've got i've got a an analog man thing that um i probably shouldn't actually talk about what it is because i think mike's going to go into production with it at some point in the near future but i have a prototype later yeah i have a prototype (laughs) i actually have two prototype pedals of theirs on on the board so check out the instagram is what you're saying if you want some Um, kind of sneaky one of them you you can see one of them it's actually called a bigfoot um oh i wonder what that could be <laughs> and then and then there's a 
uh, you know, I've got an e, a Free the Tone EQ on there and right. a Vox Wah that's been modded so I can reverse the input and output and make those seagull sounds that David does yeah. in Echoes. And you can see the seagull, um, the seagull pedal that uh, Jam made. It's just Have I seen in. it? No. Yeah. I haven't seen it because I use a wire as well. So mm. it just made sense for me to, you know, have even <laughs> have less pedals on there. And then, I'll of send course, you a link for it later. <laughs> um, and then, of course, um, the Thorpey Scarlet Tunic is on there. Ooh. So, yes. <laughs> so that, that sounds like a segue. That does. <laughs> I thought it might. I thought that might work as a segue. Yeah, Into, I mean, that's why I saved the best till last. Seg segues work so much better <laughs> when you talk about them on podcasts. <laughs> so yeah, tell us tell us about the scarlet chili. Yeah, walk us through the kind of the process behind it because it's yeah. I mean, th there's not really an awful lot to tell. I mean, really, all it was was I think um, I put on a. Um, I was never that happy with with the sound I, I had for the Sid Barrett tunes, uh, with the, the the distorted sound. I mean, yeah, um, specifically on Interstellar Overdrive, and it had that very kind of I don't know if glassy is the right word, but you know that sort of ice picky treble. Maybe it is maybe that is the right word. Um, yeah, you know what? When it presence, was, but but basically. but not it wasn't overly distorted, but that glassiness made it sound like that, and also kind of yeah. gave it sounded like he's playing hard, you know, um, octaves and he, he's not, you know, it's just that thing that distortion can do where you hear a higher note, you know. Yeah. That kind and of I, harmonic I, I, division kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I, what I was, what I was using was more of a, you know, stock plexi type sound, which was great, but it sounded too derivative. Like I was trying to sound like that, you know? Okay. Um, and I found a, um, a video on YouTube by some, a band, a guy, well, actually, it's a guy called Jed Tyler who's in a Canadian band called Julie's Andrews. And, um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, um, he's kind of like the Tony Iommi of Julie's Andrews. I think he's the only consistent member all the time, you know. But, <laughs> but, so, but I found that, I found that video and it was basically him playing through his Selma and it sounded exactly like, like the Pink Floyd version, you know, on Piper at the Gates of Dawn. So I wrote to him and found out exactly what it was. And um, uh, and then the next thing was I've been talking to Adrian, to, uh, to Thorpey, about a couple of his pedals. And I just asked him, you know, would you be interested in trying to clone a Selma into a pedal? And he was. And um, it just so happened that Dan, um, who works with him, um coggins who who you know had the oh, dinos yeah, yeah. dinosaur uh dan actually had that amp i mean not that <laughs> he had sid's amp but you know he had yeah. that model so that was that made it even easier for them so they they went about you know putting that into a pedal and i've got to say um i it, it really does sound to me like it's got a tube in it i don't know what they've, it hasn't but what they've done Really, I mean, it just sounds exactly like the amp. We AB'd it. I went down there. Um, it, it did take me a while to get a prototype that I could go down there with because, you know, he's so busy doing other things. He's probably, I mean, I don't know, he's probably got, you know, three pedals going at the same time, you know, to, to work on, you know. Um, so I went down there and, and uh, 
and I, you know, and it was, and it was exactly what I wanted. I'd even sent him a, um, uh, you know, I, I managed to get, um, an isolated track of Sid's guitar so I could send it to him so he could, you know, model it, you know, he had like, yeah. that's, that's the sound I'm after, you know? Um, and, um, I, I, I actually forgotten how long it took. I think COVID must've slowed it. Yeah. COVID must've yeah. slowed it down. It was probably two, two, two and a half years, something like that. Two years. Um, and then, um, when I went down to AB, I mean, the biggest difference was that the Selma amp had loads of buzz, you know, and the pedal didn't, <laughs> you know, the pedal didn't, you know but it, I don't know what they've done, but it really does sound like a, um, like it's got a tube in it. And also, yeah. you know, that I think I, I did an interview with, with Lee Anderton about it. And of course you get all the comments from people going, you know, uh, who the hell wants to get Sid Barrett sound? He's crap, you know that stuff. Like, yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, the whole point is it, it, it's a it's a vintage, for want of a better expression, yeah, sound. Yeah. It, you know, and and um, and Adrian has actually engineered it, or maybe Dan with him as well has has done that. Um, to, you know, he's, there's a lot more gain on it. So you know, people from 2022 can use it as well you know it's not just it's not like only goes up to you know it goes up to 11 it doesn't just go up to six do you know what i mean yeah all right it's fine with that okay you know um, <laughs> i don't think it yeah. does go up to 11 i haven't looked at the actual um they're just dots on, it, but... on the yeah yeah but you know but it's very useful and it, you know it's not it's it's not a one-trick pony it doesn't have to just be used for yeah the same you know, time. to sound like sid barrett i think um I think uh, Paul Kossoff even used that amp for the solo in um, All Right Now. Oh, really? I, I believe, well, Adrian told me that, so I'm presuming I wouldn't argue he, with he him. knows. No, I, mean, I, I would never argue with Adrian, no. <laughs> he probably gets most of that information off of Dan, and Dan is like a walking encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. To, okay. Um, yeah, that sort um, of things. So, so what do the three buttons on the pedal do? <laughs> you, know, you only asked me that because I said at the start, I don't know. No, I, I know that uh, the, the one on the left-hand side is the bass one, and the one in the middle, I don't know what it does, but I've put it into the middle and it actually sounds, you know, what I'm doing now is instead of um, mm. modeling the pedal to sound like um, that track, I've just modeling the pedal just to sound like that era, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So I and then I, I sort of marry that up with a with the page actually, and so the page gives it a little bit more, Chubiness. you know. Well, sort of maybe a slight yeah. Actually, takes a little bit of the high end piercing high end out. Yeah. Because I do like the two of them together. Um, still sound very amp like you know. Sometimes you you, you put two pedals together, they can sound a bit boxy. Yeah, they kind of you know, almost forcing the frequencies, doesn't it? Yeah. So you're running exactly. the micro into them, and is that to boost the gain? I'm, but I'm boosting the the scar tuning into the page, and it, it, and and it's a weird way around of doing oh, okay. it. But but it but it works really well for me. At least it works really well in my room here at home. When I get on stage next week, I'll probably go, "Ah, oh, man, that yeah. doesn't work." Flip you know. it over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Fuck> <laughs> <this>. <laughs> you know. But um, I mean that, that's yeah, that that that's and that's another whole conversation you could have about how different is when you get on stage I mean, Christ, you know you watch all these things on on youtube with everyone testing pedals out and as soon as you get in front of a band it doesn't sound <laughs> anything like that you know uh, 
That's playing, like, playing on stage volume. Yeah, you know, yeah. When you listen back to isolated tracks of like famous um, guitarists, and you go, "That yeah. tone is absolute shit." Like it's so thin and boxy, and just, yeah. but when it sits in the track, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's exactly what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You um, you, you're controlling all your pedals with the G two. Is it still the G two? Did you get still the, the I, it's still the G two? Because I don't, I, I don't really need the G three. Um, no. you know, I didn't need to uh, upgrade, but yeah, I've still got, I've got two G twos. Two G2s. That's G4, that is. G4, yeah. One more. Yeah. Maybe I'll get a G4 if he ever comes out with that. Um, You know, but um, yeah, so I'm controlling all the, with a G2 and um, I think, you know, I think that's about it, isn't it, with the pedals, I think, on that one. And you use it with pretty sets as opposed to like um, the sort of like, uh, okay, that's this pedal, that's this pedal sort of thing. Well, I started off using... um, I started off having is actually I asked Jake at the gig what he did and he does you know I started doing it like that so I actually had my bottom tier um uh, presets were all like my different distortions um right. you know yep. for like for so many songs then I'd go into a different bank and then you know yeah. the next lot but but um but I do that and then the top tier were all my delays different delay times because you know it's floyd of course there's all different delay times and i don't tap it's all the same they're the same every night you know more or less um but then well then i exactly <laughs> and then i just suddenly thought am i doing this the right way maybe this is the better way so i actually spoke to dave kilminster who plays guitars with roger waters yes. yeah. and he told me how he did it he does it and it is like you know per he does it not not necessarily per bank but he does a song you know so if yeah. if the first song's got two presets he'll just make one and two that song and then the second song is you know three four and five four, or whatever yeah. so so now i've started doing that and i've got to say it actually works much better for me so you have a bank per song i no i don't have a bank per song i have a bank for like you know yeah a couple of songs or five five songs or something you know? right Okay, per you know, tone then. I, I yeah, I think that. I have a. Yeah. I think I use about five banks, and we've got twenty songs or nineteen, twenty songs or something. Okay, yeah. So you know, I get you. Yeah. What I do on mine is I have the the first five normally to be different presets, and then I've got the so I've got the ES8, and then the last oh, yeah. four. Um, yeah, I've got four of the switches then I've where I can switch the reverb on and off. Oh, um, yeah. Drive in and out on each amp because yeah. I'm running stereo ramps. Yeah. Um and yeah, so I can switch them in and out on any of the any of the um banks. Well, one thing uh, that the G three does that I do think is interesting is the parallel mixing so that you can have different distortions on in parallel, which I think would be quite an interesting thing to hear, but yeah, I haven't I haven't got one so I can't hear it. <laughs> the, the, the ES8 does parallel. And right. I use it all the time. All right. the time. Right. It's so good. It's yeah. uh, if you've got two effects and you want these two effects on, they're just not playing nicely together. But you're like, I really want that, and I don't want to have to piss about with the settings. Yeah, you just take them away from each other and let them sum up at the end. And how and... does that work with gains? Like you know, I was saying before about how when you when you stack pedals, they can get boxy, but you're kind of not stacking them, are you? Know, it's you're weird. Not. Yeah. 
and it's a really uh, one of the interesting things is stacking something like a fuzz with an overdrive or a yeah. fuzz with a distortion or an overdrive with distortion yeah um and you can get like uh say you wanted to get your hm2 and you wanted it with like um scooped mids or something like that mm. and then you take an overdrive with push mids yeah and you get all that clarity of getting through but with sure. that overdrive and you can get that really heavy tone for all your metal songs that you play um, <laughs> was that the uh, pre-pre Sid Barrett the, the metal era <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're using the tumulus now as well aren't you I've been using the tumulus um to boost um well I was trying to get a way of getting the the page to work um um you know, to get it boosted, but actually the MXL microamp's done that because it, it's not it's not as coloured. Well, I mean, the tumblers is coloured. You know, the the, the clone obviously is coloured very much in the, in the mids. So once I sort of realised I got that MXL microamp there, that's what I'll use on tour. But I use the tumblers definitely using that at home, and I'll probably end up, you know, I would. I mean, I'll end up using that not on not on this stuff probably. I mean, I've you know I've been doing some other stuff. Um, yeah, you, you you mentioned that. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, what did I well when we were in lockdown, I played, I played on, I played on Gary's. I did a track on Gary's album playing lap steel. Um, he had a solo album, and then I think you know I did another thing with a guy called Jeff Slate, who's an American singer songwriter. Where I, that was actually really cool because I ended up playing on a track with, although obviously I wasn't with him because we were all in lockdown. But I ended up playing on a track with. Um, Earl Slick from David Bowie's band and Duff McKagan on bass. Oh, that, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've actually forgotten the gentleman's name, but the guy who plays drums with Paul Weller. Um, totally forgotten the man's name because we've never met, you know. Um, um, but that was cool. And then recently, my friend Stephen Wilson from. Well, he has his own solo Drop career. That in name there. Tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Stephen asked me to play on on some stuff that will come out next year. I guess. I mean, he's already. I mean, he's. It's no secret. He's he's mentioned that he's working on another solo album. So, or maybe I'll end up on the cutting room floor. I don't know. You know. Or, <laughs> or, or not not cutting the floor recycle bin. You know, maybe I'll end up in. But but no. I mean, I know. I I know. I'm pretty sure. I think as I actually went down and did. He played me. He sent me some stuff and said, "Like, what would you do with it? And you know, what what would you do on it, rather?" And so I went over and sort of thought, "Well, this would work, and that would work." And it's funny because he told me the other week that the bit, one of the bits, he's actually decided is it is now a whole other song. So, yeah. so there's actually like maybe I'll end up on two different songs. I don't know, but um. No, that was really interesting, and it's great. It's great to work with someone like Stephen because he's the funny thing about him is he's a great guitarist, but he doesn't think of himself as a guitar player. He thinks himself as a singer songwriter, I suppose. Yeah. So, like you know, he said to me, "Come and play on it." I was like, "Why do you want me to play on it? <laughs> you, you could be doing it." You know what I mean? But he's always up for just you know working with different people and seeing what can come. Well, you seem to have inspired another song, so it was worth it. <laughs> well, I don't know if I if I inspired it, but. No, it's 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 good to you know that was cool to hear. Maybe get some more you know royalty payments out of two songs, not one. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So that, that I've been doing that. But other other than that, um, you know, I've been um, you know we just we did. Well, I was away from home for fourteen weeks earlier in the year. We did a, a trek through UK and then Europe, 
well, UK is part of Europe. It's just not part of the EU. So, That's you know, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, so we, we did 14 weeks in Europe, I should say. And then, and then um, we're about to start in um, North America next week. How long is that for? Five and a half weeks. Oh, that's not too bad. Though. I'm counting the half weeks. You see, no, it's, 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 it's not that bad. Uh, no, no, I'm, I, I, um, I think it's five and a half, six weeks, something like that. Have you got any like memorable moments from the, from the, from your music career that you want to, um, impart I think, on? A... Well, I mean, going on the, uh, well, I mean, I mean, my memorable moments are probably really, you know, with the blockheads are just playing with them because that's such a, such a, um a lesson, you know, in playing <laughs> with other musicians because they, you know, and there's always that thing about, you know, people don't play the same way twice. I always used to say to them, they don't play the same way once. <laughs> you know, like, you know like, they were just, they're just amazing guys to play with. And um, So that was just a, a fantastic experience and really makes you grow up as a musician to play with people of that ilk, you know, yeah. um, and gives you, and also importantly, gives you confidence you know um and with this band i'd say you know i think obviously the albert hall was 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 fantastic there was there was a great venue in um luxembourg it's actually a small venue that it's a club that we play but there's a there's a track we do called source for the secrets and on the track david just sort of just sort of just sings sort of chorally near the end of it not screaming, but sort of like, ah, oh, you know, and the whole audience did it. And it's the only place <laughs> in the whole world where we played that the whole audience have sung that before Gary, Gary's got to it. So that was, that's really memorable. And then, um, and then obviously when Roger came, when Roger Waters came to sing, set the controls to the heart of the sun with us at, uh, um, at the Beacon Theatre in New York, because that was, probably the closest that there will ever be to any sort of inverted commas pink Floyd reunion yeah. um that there will ever be i mean unless david comes to perform with us at some point in which case then it would be you know nick and david who are pink floyd now but obviously um they brought that single out recently to aid ukraine, ukraine and, and yeah. guys on that with them um you know um but but yeah failing david coming along to perform um that's probably the closest and it, you know and it was it was really it was quite something to have to have roger on stage and you know and and be so polite you know in print about us after that saying how great we were that was really nice but yeah those are certainly memorable, memorable moments and i think you know from a purely personal point of view um you know the fact that my my mum and dad who you know touch wood are, are healthy are still around and to see all this happening, you know. Um, Do they come and see you play? Yeah, they come. They come quite a lot. In fact, they're they're actually on an airplane as we talk, on their way to New York to see my sister who lives there, in order to come and see us next week in Boston, and then Providence and wherever else they're coming to. So yeah, they they come quite a lot. That's so cool. Yeah, that is, that's is, that's is coolest. Gary's Gary's christened them the band parents now. <laughs> um, it's quite funny because Nick's. I think Nick's older than them, but um... <laughs> nice. It also means you have to do like behave yourself, doesn't you? So I'm 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 50 in October. I kind of my all my um behaving myself has been going on for quite a while. <laughs> the now. wild days are behind. Uh, those are yeah, those are kind of behind me now. Yeah. 
I imagine they were the blockhead days. For sure. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm pre. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's talk pedals. Let's talk some choice choice picks from Ali. What are we saying? What's uh, what's your goes go well, goes I, to go I go did, to? I, yeah, I did used to use um, a couple of pedals that I like that um, Electronic Orange make, which um, he makes a Big Muff clones and. He also makes a clone of of the um, color sound boost, and and actually, it's called a banana boost, and it, it's really good. And the other one I like is the throwback overdrive, which is the same thing. Um, I think that's got germanium in it as well as silicon, so you can switch between the two. Um, that. Uh... Transistors or lot clipping yeah, diodes or I, I, I think transistors I think, yeah. but I I can't I can't remember but but it is that's a re- that's a really good one, and of course you know that was used a lot back in the period that that we're you know that we're um uh, focusing on. I try to think what else um you know it's quite you know what's another pedal I really like? I don't know. You said you liked delays earlier. Which delays did you go through before you ended up on the Future Factory? Oh, uh, yeah. So I had one of those um, Korg ones that the Edge um, uses in a rack mount. I forgot what it's called. Uh, but I, I know he famously uses the 2290, the TC2290. Um, uh, well, no, there's another one he uses that had a preamp in it that he liked a lot. I can't believe maybe you can find it while we're... A3? No. Uh, I'm sure it's Korg who make it. And they, they made it a, a pedal. SDD something it's called. What? S- yeah, S- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Um, Eddie Van Halen used it as well, didn't he? Um, I don't know. But but um, but um, I know that uh, Dallas Chu, his tech, worked yeah. with Korg to get it into a pedal. Um, so I, I used that on some of our early shows and then I think I then just switched straight over to, to free the tone because David was using them on the last tour and I just thought, well, if it's good okay. enough for David Gilmore, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you know, so I got two of those, um, and, you know, and used two of them at the same time. I, I like to use two delays at the same time. Um, yeah, I do. Um, I actually use on, on my DD500, you know, the boss one. Oh, yeah. I have the SDD3000. I have that on two, two of them on at the same time. Yeah. Um, bouncing off of each other. So like uh, right. ping-ponging left right. and right. Beautiful. Yeah. One of my favorite um, delay sounds ever. I'm still trying to think. And, you know, obviously, you know what I was come back to is just things like, you know, the Boss H. You mentioned it earlier on, the Boss HM2, which I you know, said I, was the first one I bought. I love that pedal. And I love a blues driver. I love the blues driver as well. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, underrated often. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, the king of tone is almost a little bit like a posh blues driver. <laughs> I know, <laughs> you know. I mean, I know a lot of people think I'm talking rubbish, but I mean, you know, do you know what I mean? It's that <laughs> yeah, kind of, you it, know, yeah, it's the, the same kind of ballpark, know, but you know, I know it's not based on that circuit, but yeah. you know. Uh, but uh, uh, I mean, I, you yeah, know, and I, 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 I love the uh, King of Tone, but um, the speaker I'm using with with this with my amp, yeah, which is the same. I've got the same one at home as I have at, um, on the road. Is based on an old um, 
uh, you know, the same, it's the same speaker that David uses. I've completely, it's a, it's a faint crescendo. It's based on that. Oh, okay. and it's very upper high, you know, upper mids, you know, so very loud as well. Then, so, it? Yeah, it goes very loud. Mm. You know, uh, I mean, we actually have a baffle in front of our amps now because I was, they called the area, <laughs> the area in front of my amp was called Lee's Corridor for a while. <laughs> it, it, it was taking, it was just far too much. I mean, we won't, you know, we don't play arenas. We play, the largest we play is like four and a half thousand people, but generally we're playing to, Humble. you know, 2,000 people. Yeah. So we're playing theatres and everyone can hear my amp who's sitting in front of it too loud. So it'd be baffles in front. But yeah, um, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of pedals um you know light-ish overdrives yeah don't sound that great through that amp through that specific because, speaker yeah because through that uh, speaker i should say because you kind of need that not so much you know you know mid mid scooped but you do kind of need to bring down some yeah, of that frequency. yeah you know it works great live you know the band setting but if you're at home you know and actually funny enough not last week i'd i'd um Put a um, a photograph up. Someone asked me for my settings on the on the Thomas Deluxe, and Lee yeah, made Lee, ma Lee made a joke about you know my God, look how mid scoop that is. But actually, that's primarily because of the speaker that I'm using, you know. And all I was doing was um, matching it to my page, and, that, yeah. you know, and it was quite. I mean, it wasn't all the way down, but it was it was quite down. But yeah, um, I suppose the next pedal that I get is my favourite pedal. <laughs> that's yeah the um, guitarist answer that isn't it like yeah n plus yeah. one is the the amount that you need yeah exactly yeah, exactly yeah i mean you know it's the thing where people say what's your what's your favorite gig and i always say well it's the next one you know yeah you know have you ever played an mxr blue box no no i, no. I mean you are one of the lucky ones keep it that way right what is it what? It's my favourite pedal. Is uh, it a blues? Is it a bluesy sound or something? It's, no, it's the complete no. opposite of a bluesy sound. Oh right. Yeah. So the you, most famous song it was used on was Phil, was a song the by Rain. Blue. I know. No. <laughs> yeah, it's all Roy's. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's your Led Zeppelin song. Thank you very much, <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> but it was uh, Fall in the Rain. Um, yeah, the oh, solo right. isn't in that, isn't it? But it's a terrible use for it. I, I, I didn't realise there was a guitar on it. I only listened to the drums. Everyone that. <laughs> yes my <laughs> man um, yeah it's like a, it's got an octave down fuzz but it gets really gated and when you turn the uh, fuzz all the way to the left yeah, it just gets kind of like 8-bitty okay. and it just yeah. starts breaking up, it sounds like you're playing an old master system or something like that that sounds like um, a bit like what the NG3, the Cornish pedal does that i'm talking about because that's got a bias knob on it and it gets really spluttery if you engage it quite a lot I it's mean, a mad it's a mad pedal but you, you can actually tame it by turning your volume down on your guitar but, um the way you're describing that there it, yeah. it sounds like a much more refined version of the blue box really the, well, the, well, the blue box is it's a cornish is, it's kind of <laughs> rough and ready would be a, a kind way to describe it Right, right. Um, it's a it's an acquired taste. I think. Oh, it's, it's oh no! I, I honestly think the NG three is an acquired taste as well. You've got you've got to hear it if you're not. I don't. No, not a lot of people use it. I think that um, Lou Reed used it on a song. I forgot what it's called. 
and and it and it was just it just it's nasty. And apparently uh, Pete uh, Cornish told me that uh, John Mayer has one and he was using it, but how I was just saying he was using it with the volume down on his guitar. I don't really know why you just use it for that. You kind of <laughs> want it so you can, you know, go and you know, I use it in a I've been using it at home. I hope should be using it next week on on a on a track we we do called Obscure by Clouds where I play slide and it's got a sound because the the live versions I heard of David playing that uh he must have been using a fuzz face and it just sounds really nasty, you know. Yeah. Does, um, does, the, does the NG three have an octave octave? Band? No, it doesn't. It doesn't got an octave thing on it. No, no, no. Okay. So yeah, imagine that, but with like a a, a dropped octave on it. So you still got your your standard octave as well. So you got the the how they clash together. And is it fuzzy or, or muffy? Oh, yeah. or, oh, it's fuzz. It's a fuzz. Yeah, but it's like it's, it sounds it's almost digital. The the fuzz does. Yeah, oh, but it's an right. old pedal. It's right. like from the seventies. Uh, yeah, get yeah. one. Um, they're not they're not expensive, but uh, get get an old one if you can. Does but Jimmy just, Page use it with an octave on it on that track? It just yeah. it, it's the octave right. is always on. It, oh, you, oh, okay. You've no choice. Right. Well, you've got the blend, haven't you? You've got the the, the blend control That's brings That's in they the should, octave. They, they should have waited for the you know Wampler frustration, you know, and they could have. <laughs> Oh, do you know what I'm talking about, Richard? Send me one of them over because um, I fancied one of them for ages, and I love the the gra- graphic on it, which I think Jason yeah. actually created the, the graphic for that. Yeah, um, yeah, it looks really interesting. That frustration, but um, yeah, get get what I want you to do is get the. Um, I would send you one if I had a spare one, but my one's the only one I've got. Um, no. But get one and then just chuck it on with a bit of delay on it, uh, and you can just lose yourself for hours. Wow. So so much fun. Well, that's kind of what I should be able to do in our band. So maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. <laughs> oh yeah. man, uh, you gonna? Will you do any originals? Do you think? I, I don't. I mean, I you know, never. I think if we were to ever do anything like that, I think it would be, you know, something like a a soundtrack or something. I don't. I you know, like if someone asked us to do, to do a you know, some music for a you know a film or a video game or something you know i, I don't I, yes. I you know I, I can't imagine that we'd um you know just recording because what what would you do like write pastiches of sid barrett and early pink floyd songs i mean you know what i mean it's sorry you, you a weird all, one. Uh, the idea of a video game with a sid barrett <laughs> soundtrack i am all about that right now well, well, that's, well, that's my well, life now that's all well I now we, well it's on this podcast maybe someone's gonna hear that and it. and it will and it maybe will happen some guy you know in in like some in in the big game corporation will come and knock on our door you know i, have a well, I, I know a guy yeah. Swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah Actually, um, Dom, Dom, who's our keyboard player, that's what his his uh, you know main is. Say his main job, I suppose, is he does a lot of music for games. He has a company that does it, you know. But he's not going to ask us. I meant like someone else might ask us to do it. No, ask him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Press the issue. Right? Yeah, it's been it's been an absolutely wonderful experience. This is uh, it's been enlightening to <laughs> to hear from someone who actually goes out there and does the thing. Rather than us who just sit in bedrooms and pontificate <laughs> about pedals. Oh, thanks for having uh, me. 
Indeed. Yeah, no, thank, thanks for coming on. And um, just we'll, we'll throw out a plug. Where can we find... Uh, I mean, you're doing tour dates in America at the moment. We've got American listeners. Where yeah. can they find like stuff for you? If they go... Well, I mean, obviously the band's called Source Full of Secrets. The, the website is The Source Full of Secrets. Quite a long one there to type out. But it is the thesourcefullofsecrets.com. And that's got all the dates on it. And we've also got, you know, uh, obviously Facebook and Instagram pages yeah. for Nick Mason, Source Full of Secrets. And I've got my own, um, you know, Instagram page. I think I am at Mr. MR, at Mr. Lee Harris, L-double-E. And, and my Facebook page is lee.harris.official, I think it is. But, you know. Um, Very nice. If you want to look at pictures of me and my dog in France and stuff like that. I mean that sounds <laughs> that sounds exactly up my street. What, what what dog are we talking by the way? What are we saying? Uh gold, he's a golden Labrador. Oh nice. Classic called, that's dog classic that, isn't it? And he's called Eric. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> I was what? gonna get I was gonna get a Jack Russell and a ginger cat, and then I could have had an Eric Jack and Ginger. <laughs> but, um, we didn't we didn't end up doing that. You're not a cat seat, don't you? Or cat You're, drink. What? Oh god! Uh, I think we found our shit uh, joke, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm, I'm extending. A thank yeah, that you. was it. Yeah, that's yeah. We'll put that at the end. I'll, uh, I'll extend a thank you to all of our, our listeners for making it this far. It's an absolutely mammoth podcast. I will probably slice up a little, little select bits and and shove it in the Patreon, just as a as a little little cheeky cheeky. Um, but it's been been an absolute absolute event. Um, I am going to extend an even massive thank you to the people who pay us for this nonsense, which are the Patreon backers, who are as follows. Uh, we have got Mr. Uh, Mr. Andrew Bimpson. We've got Mr. Adam Yeomans of Chef Tone Effects. We have got Mr. Doug Christ of 37 Effects, Masters of the Cinematic Universe podcast and the Just Surprising Me podcast. We have got Mr. Hugh G. Rection. <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, we do uh, we've got Mr Ben Fletcher of Fletcher Pickups and we've got Mr Brian Gow of the Tone Jerks podcast and the Second Button podcast and occasionally the Just Surprise Me podcast as well those guys are awesome you could be that cool too for as little as $2 a month uh, it is patreon.com slash fret talk if you want to find me online you know where to go you've got uh, Instagram Facebook YouTube um, slash budget pedal chap the the home of the No Talk or Tone series is YouTube and the home of the No Talk or Tone Versus series. And Lee, where can we find you? You know where to find me. Everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube, and then where everywhere pedal boards do. You can find us on Budget Pedal Chaps shirt. You can find yes, you us can. <laughs> anywhere you want to find me, you'll find me. A wonderful visual like, gag for this audio podcast. Like yeah. <laughs> so it will be from myself, Mr. Budget Pedal Chap, from two different Lees this week. It will be a tatty buying good night for this week. Au revoir.
So there's a guy, there's a guy, Mr. Goldberg, who lives next door to a, this health farm. And um, there's a sign outside it, you know, obviously like, you know, private, <clears throat> private, no swimming allowed. And he keeps going to use the pool all the time. And eventually the guy who, who runs the place gets security, says, look, I've had enough of this. You've got to go around to Mr. Goldberg who lives next door and tell him to come to see me because he just keeps using the pool. It's, he's not paying, you know. So they go and get him and they take him and see the, the boss. And he says, like, Mr. Goldberg, you know, you keep coming here using the pool. The sign's there. You can't be coming in here private. No swimming allowed. He says, the sign? It says private? No swimming allowed. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I am Jewish, so I can tell. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't know you were Jewish. I had no idea. Um, oh, that's funny. That's, oh, I mean, that's that's actually a legit joke. It's much much higher standard.